Welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Tool, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today, we are joined by Nikki Peters-Barrett. Nikki brings an entrepreneurial approach with extensive experience leading service-based initiatives across health-focused industries. In 2013, she founded Studio 9 to 5, which brings yoga, fitness, nutrition, and mindfulness training to the workplace and wellness coaching for Fortune 500 companies. Through a broad base of experience, Nikki is able to inject unique perspective into business solutions, identify key market opportunities, and develop growth strategies. Skilled in collaborating with leadership teams to design the right business approach for products and services that drive results. In today's episode, we talk all about wellness in the workplace, a lot of focus on mindfulness and the services that 9 to 5 provides to Fortune 500 companies. We know that you're going to love this episode as well as the knowledge and expertise that Nikki brings to this topic. Thank you so much for being a listener of the What the HR podcast. If you're loving our guests like Nikki and these topics, please do us a huge favor and leave us a rating and review out on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Your ratings and reviews really help to ensure that our episodes are getting in front of other HR practitioners and business leaders that can benefit from these topics. Thanks again and happy listening. All right. Well, Nikki, welcome to the What the HR podcast. We're really excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So I know that we gave our listeners um, a more formal introduction of you know you and your background at the top of the episode, but would still love to hand it over to you to maybe give a little bit more color or context to you know how you got involved with Studio Nine to Five, um, and you certainly take this time too to also share with our listeners what Studio Nine to Five is and the the value and offerings that you provide your customers. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I really got started actually in the wellness world as a client, as a uh, patient, if you will. That's really where it got started for me when I was in my um, very early 20s. I had health issues that came up that I couldn't figure out why they were happening and what was going on with me. And um, like any good invitation, you know, <laughs> sometimes pain brings us to our purposes in life. And that was the case certainly for me and my path with wellness. So it began that way. Um, I got involved in um, many different types of um, nutrition types of programs, cleansing, um, healthy eating way back before there was even gluten-free bread or anything like that. Um, And uh, ended up getting into yoga. um, And I got very, very passionate about it, um, became uh, the fourth employee of Core Power Yoga here in Minneapolis. And then I was the franchise director for about 10 years, helping to open the studios in Minneapolis area. And um, through that time, um, I had a wonderful time and realized that we were meeting the needs of a lot of people. And it was a growing field, a growing industry that was happening in the boutique fitness market. And we were really leading the way with that. But what I could see was that there was this whole other groups of populations of people who just would never set foot inside of a studio like that. Um, And I really wanted to impact them, the people who um, maybe are too busy to work out or um, they, you know, they don't know how to eat to help their well-being. They don't know... um, how to move forward with, um, with any type of fitness plan or, um, just knowing where to start. And in the meantime, they're overloaded maybe with work or family or different types of stresses in their life. And I really wanted to make an impact on, on those people. So studio nine to five was born and it began, uh, 13 and in 2013 and, uh, has been continuing to grow since then. And during the pandemic, we, we did actually grow by 60% in 2020, which was really fantastic. Um, I think it's a testament to 
the importance of wellness and that we're starting to be more engaged with the need for wellness in our world. And, you know, Studio 9 to 5, although it started as a way to, to look at um, the mind and, or the body, for example, with moving your body and nutrition and eating, we've expanded into other areas like mindfulness training programs. Um, we offer health coaches. We offer um, online virtual classes for businesses. Sometimes we offer just 15-minute mindfulness classes as a part of your employee's day. I mean, there's ways, even if you're on a small budget, to create a successful wellness program. And um, that's what we help people do. So, uh, can you talk a little bit? So, as you talked about people who wouldn't show up to those classes when you talked about was core power, um, I'm one of those people. Like, I just, you know, it wasn't because I didn't have time. I just, quite honestly, was. I didn't know what I would do if I got there. And sometimes that's how it is, even with the wellness programs that I see internally at, at the companies. And sometimes I wish people would almost force me to do these things. And I'm curious what you've seen from internal wellness programs, like they try to do it themselves versus if they bring an expert like yourself in and the value of that. Yeah, that's a great point. Really, really great point. Mike, I have seen that sometimes companies will utilize somebody internally, but um, that creates a, a bit of an unhealthy dynamic, I think, um, with, with you know, internal employee relations. Um, and it also doesn't give that employee, you know, the, the space to really do what they're meant to do and, and also be filled themselves. Um, also, there's a whole bunch of other things like insurance <laughs> qualifications and other other things that need to be considered. But um, I think it's always, always best to work with somebody who you can help. You can help educate on why you bring them in. You know, it, I think that's always very important. You know, what what are these programs about? How are you going to benefit from them personally? Um, those types of, of aspects of a wellness program need to be very clear from the beginning. And sometimes companies don't yet have that mapped out. So um, someone like me with Studio 9 to 5 and our team of over 100 people, um, what we do is help you design wellness programs if you don't already have them. We help you communicate them and provide marketing materials. Um, and we then help you activate on that by activating on the actual and providing the actual services to you as well. And we're very, we're very plug and play. You can take us for um, whatever portion of that you need. So if you already have a wellness program design, great. Just plug us in as your, as your, um, monthly expert or whatever it is. And away we go. I think one could probably also argue that wellness programs are no different in some regard to other programs that get rolled out in a company. So for example, if my CEO says, I'm going to start making, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, an important topic within this organization, I'm going to invest in this we're going to offer programs. We're going to have speakers, et cetera, et cetera. If the if if the leadership team and those that are saying, "Hey, we want this to be a focus," aren't participating, aren't having conversations with their employees about it, there's likely going to be a reluctance to people like Mike, who may have a tendency to traditionally not, you know, show up to things like the these because maybe there's pressure of like, well, that requires me to take an hour away from completing work, or I don't know how this is going to look upon me if I'm taking breaks to go meditate or to go try out this yoga class or go listen to the speaker on, you know, nutrition. So um, for anyone that's listening <laughs> that is interested in doing this or has done it, but hasn't really seen it get off the ground, um, just kind of providing my two cents here, Nikki, on some things that maybe they could think about doing to help it, it move along and be more adapted or um, welcomed within their organization. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And we've seen that 
especially is what helps a program like this be successful. And um, we've seen it time and time again. So if it's a budget issue, you know, a lot of times what we'll do is say, well, let's start with your leadership team. Like, we'll just start here. If you don't want to roll out to the entire company, let's start with your leadership team. What types of, you know, ways can we help to move this leadership team forward in terms of wellness? And to be honest, a lot of times that issue with a leadership team has to do with life balance. And I know that firsthand, um, even though I love my time at Core Power Yoga, I, I completely ran myself into the ground, <laughs> working crazy amounts of hours. And, you know, you do that when you're passionate at what you do. But, you know, I had to really start to understand myself. In fact, when I, when I started transitioning to Studio 9 to 5 and, and working with this full time, that was my promise to myself was if, if the model of this business is life balance, and I'm not living it, I don't think I can, I can do this. Like I need to live this in order to, to do this. And so I'm really happy to say I really have changed my life in a lot of ways so that I can uh, live a life in balance. And um, sometimes it looks like boundaries. <laughs> sometimes it looks like timers and using different types of strategies to get that going. But um I agree. You know, every person sometimes has a moment in their life to kind of go back to what Mike was saying. You know, what will it take to make change? What will it take to start prioritizing health? And that moment is different for everybody. And sometimes that happens when, you know, you're brought to your knees because of a health issue. Sometimes it happens because of mental stress. Sometimes it happens from overwhelm um, and, and not having balance. Um, and sometimes, you know, it can also happen from just this desire to want to be your best self, to want to thrive, to want to, you know, really show up for everything you're doing, not half asleep, but really passionately awake and aware and engaging in your life fully. So, you know, that, that can show up in different ways for different people. Um, and it, what I think of, about how wellness and company culture kind of intertwine, I think like we were talking about, if the leadership isn't, you know, looking or, or isn't themselves living these types of um, values of the company, then right there, we've got to uh, be able to address, you know, address that number one, because we know that that creates the culture of the businesses is what the leaders are focusing their time and energy on. So if we want a, a culture, a company culture that's um, focusing on wellness, you know, does it look like having a, um, a specific uh, wellness committee that's made up of several different people in the organization that are both in high levels of leadership all the way down to people who are interns or brand new. Um, you know, we need diversity of um, ideas to bring to the table for what will help to create successful programming. Um, but there, it is important that it, it should be a, a, um, a cultural experience, right? We want we want wellness to be integrated in everything you're doing. So if your if your company has an idea to grow by fifteen percent that year, for example, what are the ways in which you're supporting your employees to grow their portion of the fifteen percent? Like how how are they going to be better supported, better equipped? Um, you know. What are you? What are we doing? You know, as a as a company, to to move that needle, um, rather than just like you know cracking the whip. There's got to be, um, you know, different strategies for intrinsic motivations, um, and a lot of that, again, can can very much weave in to what we do in wellness. So, 
An example of this would be if a, um, a company has the idea to grow by 15% in the year and um, their motto for the year is growth, then all of the wellness programming is about growth. It's about how can one grow one's well-being? How can one grow in their ways of thinking and mental health? How can one grow in their ways of dealing with stress? I mean, that creates a company culture, a cultural experience where it's integrated. It's not just like this little thing off on the side that one person is running and trying to like get people to come to. It really needs to be integrated. Um, one of the companies that we work with uh, have been working with for eight years now, Code 42, they're a tech company. And um, what they have done is whenever they have their experience week for new people joining the company, they bring us in to be a part of their experience week. So everything about the new experience of the corporation still has the wellness aspect there. So it's a part of the company culture from the beginning. It's a part of employee training. It's a part of leadership development. So wellness is a part of that. What, what does the leadership development training look like? Does it include anything that has to do with wellness or mental health or, you know, how do we, how do we really integrate everything we're doing in a, in a way that promotes well-being? Because at the end of the day, we know that if we're well, as employees, we're going to work better. We're going to, and, and not just for the sake of working better, but people are going to be happier. It's going to be a much better and lively experience for the company and the company will then grow itself. So Nikki, when you talk about like Code 42, they integrate that into their onboarding, into their leadership development. Would you say that forcing this stuff is a good idea and forcing maybe a tough term for it. But what I've seen is companies want to offer it to offer it. And if you want to take advantage of it, great. Um, and, and even going back to what you said, d- different reasons for people deciding if this is important or not. And sometimes that's rock bottom. Um, you've seen it with the pandemic. You said you guys drew 60%. To me, that sounds reactive to something that's happened versus promoting well-being to get to the people before they need it, essentially. So long statement for a question, which is, do you think that companies need to be, they need to look at these wellness programs and make their employees attend these things? Like, does it have to be uh, a priority in terms of like, any other meeting throughout the day, right? Like you talked about onboarding, like should people force their employees to do this? Great question. I, I don't believe in force, you know, in terms of um, forced change. I, I don't believe that goes well <laughs> for anybody or any people group, you know, if we... <laughs> mandatory um, was the word I was looking for that whole time I was talking. <laughs> I couldn't think of it, but should it be mandatory? or just highly recommended? You know, I, I really think that um, choice is very important. I think choice is, is highly important for everyone's growth as a human being. And to um, I think that choice creates space for people to have options, that's true. Um, I think there are better ways to, to get there is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, one of the ways is to think about intrinsically, if you're a leader at a company or you're, you are in HR, which a lot of times the wellness programs come down to HR. Now we know the HR crew has been completely underwater these last two years. They are mm-hmm. stressed. They are needing wellness themselves and, you know, creating a wellness program on top of everything else they're doing seems like, you know, it's the last thing on their list in many ways. Um, but it's not because at the end of the day, if we don't have well-being, you know, 
what do we have? We're not here anymore. Right. So it is one of the most important pillars of life. So how does that integrate with somebody who's in leadership and who is creating company culture? I really still think it has to be in the messaging. And another really, really important part of this in terms of messaging uh, some what I've seen for companies is that they will put the wellness programs on everyone's company calendar. So that meeting, whatever it is, if it's a, you know, 15 minute, 15 minutes of mindfulness, or if it's a um, webinar on mental health or stress and resilience, whatever it is, it's on everybody's calendar so that, you know, people see it and just having it on your calendar is a way to say, Hey, we encourage you to go. Like, it's okay to take this time to focus on yourself. In fact, we want you to focus on these aspects because we want you to be well. Right. I I think about, uh, I'm sorry to try. Yeah. I was just curious. Then in order to incentivize people, and I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here because I think about right. Like you like choice and I, we all like choice and, but we don't always make the best ones. It's like, I'm kind of a child. Like I will not eat vegetables unless my wife puts it on my plate. Right. Like that's, it's not really a choice. It, so my, I'm wondering if the best way to get these across is, and and maybe it's as, as easy as talking to frontline managers and saying, Hey, make sure your team knows how important this is. Like at some point is there uh parenting that needs to take place to take care of these employees to make sure. And I'm, and this is me preaching about myself. Like I need somebody to call me and say, Hey, you really need to be on this call. You know, I know it's, it's a blank space. It's a choice. You can show up, you know, and I use that time for something else. And I, and I should have taken it for my well being. So that, that's kind of where I'm getting at. And maybe you can talk about how you encourage people then like some programs that you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually such a great idea um, is highlighting the need for not not only for it to be coming from leadership and to be on people's calendars, but where's the accountability piece, like the follow-up piece? And should that be a manager who's holding you accountable? Um, or are there other ways to do it? We've also seen groups that will have a certain Slack channel to... Um, for wellness. So anybody who's interested in wellness, or maybe they're just added to it. <laughs> and, and maybe that part of it is mandatory and forced. You're like on the Slack channel, but every time then that a wellness um, opportunity happens, you're seeing the chat about it. You're seeing what people are saying about it. You're seeing how excited they are. And, um, and that's another way to, to incentivize people to inspire them to change. Um, And, you know, to your point, Mike, like, does the company have a vested interest to make their employees, you know, healthy? Yes, because if you look at the bottom line of what they're paying in health insurance costs for employees, if the employees aren't healthy, they're going to be bleeding out the back end, right? So we know that the company has a vested interest to want you to be there. Um, It's just a matter of, you know, how does that get how does that get, you know, communicated? Ultimately, it comes down to how is it communicated and how does the company intricately communicate excitement to itself, if that makes sense? Because I think that a lot of times pain can be a motivator for people, but but also um, something that looks interesting or looks exciting or um, people are talking about it, there's a buzz about it that also can can get people there. I also think, and I'm coming to this podcast, very opinionated here, Nikki, and you're the expert here. So I'll I'll give a caveat of my apology, but it's a topic I'm really passionate about, which is why I'm a little opinionated about it. But I also think it just goes back to the culture that in a, that uh, a company is is trying to create. And you know, Mike, maybe it's it sounds like you need somebody to take a little bit a uh, bit of a more aggressive approach with you. And I'm sure there are other Mikes out there that could benefit from that. But I think about you know, if I showed up to a team meeting and my manager was like, "Oh my gosh, did you have a chance to attend yesterday's yoga class? Or did you go to that speaker that was talking about like?" 
the importance of drinking more water. You know, I'm giving generic examples here, but like these conversations are built into regular communications that occur throughout the day that are also business related. Mm -hmm. I think it creates this sense of like, this is a part of our culture. Like people are participating in these. They're talking about how it's benefiting their lives. Maybe they share a personal story about like how doing that 15 minutes of meditation allowed them to go home and be more present with their kids or more calm with their children because they didn't take the stressors of the day home with them. So I think it's you know, unfortunately to Mike, Mike's point, it's maybe less about the foreseeing or, or mandating because I too am against mandating. But I think if a culture is really consistent about showing up, bringing it up, talking about it, promoting it, managers are talking about how it's benefiting their lives, that inevitably it's just going to be like a waterfall effect where it yeah. just makes it makes itself all the way down to the desk level and employees are either like totally on board with it, or maybe they're like, this isn't a culture that is right for me and they choose to move on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, com- I completely agree. I, I think, I think from my standpoint, it's more of like, how do you kickstart it? Like that's, I think that is the best possible approach. And if you can get to that, great. Um, and I'm curious, Nikki, when to get to that point that Jess just explained, um, are there different programs that you guys do within companies that you find are more successful, whether it be physical type stuff or mental stuff or nutrition, or is it a combination of everything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, I just wanted to comment on Jess's ideas. I think that that is a perfect example, Jess. And um, another idea of what would be an easy way to integrate this is just with the question. What did you do for your well-being today? Before you start a meeting, like, or at the end of a meeting, does everybody Mm -hmm. go around the table? What did you do? What's one thing you did for your well-being today? I mean, if just that alone in every meeting was talked about, or, you know, maybe not every meeting, but (laughs) maybe it's um, even just your your one meeting a week that you have with your manager. I mean, that alone starts to create that trickle down effect because mm-hmm. it makes the person think about what did I do or am I just doing things and I'm, I'm not focused on my being as a human being at all. Well, and I don't want mean to interrupt you and I know you have other things that you have to say, but I can guarantee that if we all calculated the amount of time between meetings where we grab our phone and we're like scrolling Instagram or whatever it is that we do, you know, looking at Twitter, reading, you know, a news article that popped up on our phone, that if we had carved out that time to breathe for 10 minutes, you know, between the meetings or something. So I think that's a great question. I wrote it down. I'm going to use it, Nikki. So thank you for asking that because not only do I think that it helps trigger like, oh man, I haven't done anything. It's two 30 and I haven't done anything for my well-being today. But then I think it's also a reminder that it doesn't have to be a 60 minute hit class. Right. It, it can just be 10 minutes of breathing between passing time, if you will, between, mm-hmm. you know, zoom or team meetings. Gives yeah. permission too. I, I, I love it. Cause it does also, if, if you consistently ask that it's given everybody on your team permission that maybe they thought they needed and, and it really, it helps. You can do it in a group setting. You hear what other people are doing and it gives you ideas of what wellness is, not only to you, but to other people. And you start realizing, oh, you know, maybe I am doing a few things that I didn't really think of prior to this. Or, you know, man, I really haven't done anything. And I'm st- and I, for maybe years, I haven't even thought about you know, these concepts for myself. So, um, you know, we have a saying, um, one of our instructors often talks about in her classes and it says, listen to your body when it whispers to you. So you don't have to hear it scream. (laughs) It's good. And I think it kind of, you know, it, it rings true for many who have neglected you know, our, our bodies and use the bodies to push, you know, rather than to 
really nourish itself, restore, you know, do what's needed to, to keep yourself going. So, um, yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about those, uh, programs that you asked about as well, Mike. And what we do is, um, to answer your question, we offer all of those things. We offer classes as short as 10 to 15 minutes long um, to one hour sessions to half days if you're doing some kind of um, offsite uh, company-wide um, conference of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what we, again, what we try and do is work with the integration of your company values. So, um, for example, if your company has a theme this year of highlighting stress relief, right? Then we're going to be all the programming is going to be designed in that that category. So toward that. So um, anything that we educate on in terms of nutrition should be aligned with you know what foods are best to eat if you're stressed out. <laughs> we all, we all know that. <clears throat> if we, you know, are stressed, we oftentimes will go towards certain types of food groups and things like that. But what can we do that will actually benefit our well-being? What can we eat when we're stressed? How can we move when we're stressed? Some people need to do a 30-minute hit class when they're stressed. And some people need a 30-minute or a 60-minute restorative yoga class or something like that. Um, so it really just depends. You know, it might be taking a mindfulness course and understanding how to better frame stress in your life. That's been huge. Our our mindfulness classes um, and courses have been brought into the Air Force. We've worked with um, Children's Hospital. We've worked with um, Minneapolis Police Department. We've worked with several different companies and organizations to uh, especially people who are under high amounts of stress to learn how to change their stress response in their body um, and start to bring their inflammation levels down. So I loved, those are all really great examples and thank you for, well, thanks to Mike for asking the question and, and Nikki for running through them. Cause I think it really helps give our audience um you know, a really good understanding of just like the plethora of services that you all can offer from something really short, but impactful to something like a a half day gathering for, um, like you said, a seminar or conference. Um, when I, when we think about how our world has changed, especially in corporate America over the last couple of years, and, you know, I've worked at organizations that have specifically moved to locations where they can have a fitness facility on site, or they're maybe near, um, like a big box facility, you know, like a lifetime fitness, for example, um, and maybe they've even created spaces within their office for, you know, rest time or meditation, things of that nature. And now a lot of organizations are moving to a hybrid or fully remote environment. So what are you seeing as some best practices of how companies can still support their employees and kind of get the most bang for their buck, if you will, from a wellness perspective? when they're moving away from these brick and mortar settings where they can't technically offer these classes in person, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That has been a big, a big topic over the last few years. And, um, what we have found is, um, virtual offerings have actually brought together companies that have locations all over the U S. So for those who have um, you know, maybe they're headquarters in Minnesota where we are, but, um, they have locations in California and so forth. I mean, we've worked in person in different States as well as virtually, but the, the neat thing about everyone being virtual is that it can actually unite a company. So I think, I think as a wellness leader, what you need to figure out is, do we want to just throw cash at wellness 
and be like, oh, just go use this stipend toward whatever you want. Um, whether So that could be, you know, lifetime membership or whatever it might be. Um, or do you actually, again, want to change your company culture? Like, do you want wellness to create, uh, be a part of your, your company culture? Do you want wellness to be a lens in which you lead with? Do you want it to be a lens in, in how you look at equity, diversity, and inclusion? I mean, you can, you, you know, wellness is a part of our lives, whether we, it's a, it is our life. It's the base of our life. You know, if, so however we, um, if, if we take that and toss out the window and just have everyone do something separately, I think you really lose uh, a major way of creating connection, create uh, re-emphasizing company culture, um, creating retention, um, helping you know the company to to flourish within itself rather than just kind of sending people out to do it on their own. In terms of structure of the programs, Nikki, is it something that you recommend you focus on like one subject for a month or because we, we've talked about a few different things during this podcast and I'm, I'm just thinking if somebody's like, okay, I want to roll something out, but to Jess's point, how do I get the most out of it? Is it, we're going to focus on stress this month and we're going to do something once a week um, or do you try to offer a wide array of things to try to meet the audience? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think um, what we found to be most successful is working with a monthly theme or a quarterly theme. So however you roll out your messaging to employees in terms of what's going on in the company, um, try and use either a monthly theme or a quarterly theme to, to bring people along. I really think it should be monthly because it really creates a, a much better touch base on um, what's happening every month versus like going three months and, you know, did anybody take advantage of it, you know, and not really seeing or feeling it. Whereas if you are, you have a monthly theme, you've got different types of offerings, whether that's a way to move your body, something to help your mind, um, or maybe it's something like our, like a wellness coach, you know, working with a wellness coach for a month to get you started on your own personal um, plan. You know, there's, there's different ways to, to create the, or to integrate these types of wellness themes. Um, right now we're working with companies uh, in the month of February on the idea of diversity and inclusion. It's a big topic for February for a lot of companies. Um, also, it's Valentine's Day in February. So, um, you know, those ideas of love and belonging are coming up. And, and so we're, we're going to be presenting for a number of companies on the science of love and belonging, for example. Um, April is Stress Awareness Month. So, yes, definitely, please, you know, <laughs> people's uh, stress levels right now are um, extraordinarily high. And, um, we look at mental health, you know, that's, uh, again, a really big topic for people right now and suicide rates and anxiety, depression, all of these have skyrocketed in the last few years. And so um, it really doesn't take a whole lot to um, pick a few dates, figure out a budget and let us, you know, do the rest of the work. And if it's not us, work with somebody else, but, you know, just make sure that you're creating environments where people can um, can, can grow, can, uh, help themselves to be better and to address some of what humanity is going through because humanity is going through a lot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Those were all great. Um, and I love the monthly topics too. I'm, you know, as we're rounding out our time here together today, I'm thinking about an organization that has an interest in, you know, dipping their toe in the water here, if they will, if you will. And they're trying to de decide, do we want to make an investment of hiring somebody into our organization that will have an emphasis on wellness, or should we go with an organization like a studio nine to five? And it's certainly okay for you to be a little biased here in your answer, Nikki, um, you know, partner with, with somebody like a studio nine to five, like what, what would you say if a company was calling to consult with you and said, 
you know, what, what would be the benefits of having a full-time staff versus using an organization like yours? Well, thanks for the question. I, I think depends on the size of the company is what I would say, because I mean, if you're a really, really large company, like we've worked with General Mills and so forth, and they have people who are in these positions that work specifically in wellness. And I think that is important when you have a very large company because you need um, messaging and, and, and the messaging needs to also know, also feel personal in a large company, right? And so having somebody who's in that role probably makes sense for a larger company. Um, Studio 9 to 5 generally works with small to mid-sized companies. And so a lot of times, you know, we are your plug and play solution for somebody who's in HR, who knows that wellness is on their plate, but quite frankly, they might not be living it and they need it themselves, <laughs> you know, and they really don't have time to try and create something from scratch. You know, they're not really sure where to get started. Um, uh, in small to mid-sized companies, I would say, you know, wellness committees are very powerful because that really does help to kind of spread out the, um, the to-dos. It gets a, a wide range of people sharing their ideas and thoughts. And um, also it builds excitement for the program when it's launching, when you have several people who are kind of wellness ambassadors, if you will, inside of a program um, or inside of a company rather. So uh, I personally think that, you know, a lot of different ways can work. Um, and what I have seen for the small to mid-sized companies is using somebody like us is a much better play than just having one person in a large company that is supposed to be the, you know, holding wellness on their shoulders. And, mm -hmm. and that just doesn't seem to work very well. In, in small to mid-sized companies, it seems that, you know, a small committee of people from all different areas of the business um, being a part of it um, seems to work well in terms of ideation um, and, and then having us be your activators. Well, and I think you made a good point there too, because when you have just one person solely responsible for it, they're really required to be a generalist in all areas. Whereas when you're using an organization like Studio 9 to 5, I think it's safe to assume you have probably nutrition experts, you have mindfulness and yoga certified experts. So an organization's really able to uh, take advantage of all of the things, if you will, that encompass wellness versus to your point or the comment that you made, like one person who maybe got the job because they knew a little bit about a lot of things, but maybe isn't a certified, you know, yoga instructor has never, um, you know, held or facilitated a, uh, a meditation um, event, if you will. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that comes down to quality. Like at that point, if people come to a wellness experience and it's not, it doesn't knock their socks off, you've got a problem. They're not coming back. Yeah. You know? So yes, it is important mm -hmm. to work with the people who are experts at what they do. And um, I luckily from my many years in this field have um, an incredible team of people who are the top experts at what they do. And it's a, it's a blessing and an honor to you know, be able to work alongside them and provide these types of life-changing experiences. Yeah. Hey, be, so, I'm sorry, Jess, uh, be, before we do wrap, I, I wanted to ask, so you had mentioned that you kind of got into this, you know, through your own um, personal struggles with, with health and people listening. And we've said it today, we've said it before that HR has been thrown into this, um, you know, vacuum of stress, I guess, is what I call the last couple of years. And there may be people listening that are like, Hey, is there a couple tips, tricks that you can share that helped you that could potentially somebody could walk away listening to this and take action, whether that's breathing exercises or stress management or nutrition that you could provide just uh, some helpful tips? Well, absolutely. I think the number one thing would be every stress, if handled properly, will become your strength. 
It's only when you get overloaded, where you get out of balance, that you no longer grow. So just understanding that stress itself is actually pushing us toward a higher level of being, a higher ability to grow and have uh, maybe a bigger impact. It could be a bigger purpose. It could be um, something of that nature. Just knowing that about stress is fundamental. Now I'm coming from a, you know, one of my backgrounds is, is in kinesiology. And that's really kind of got started on the study of the, the body, but this is adequately and very easily seen when we go from crawling to walking. You know, a bone doesn't grow in its bone density until a baby goes from crawling to walking because the stress that is put on the bone makes the bone grow. That's the whole, that's it. It's the same thing if you're in the weight room. You're going to let go lift some weights. The way that you build bigger muscles, more muscle mass, is by stressing the muscle, is by understanding how much can I stress it without too much that I get an injury. So that's why our model being life balance, it's really about how do we live? We want to live in stress. We do. We want to be living in just enough stress that takes us higher into our capabilities and, and then be able to be right there in the I'm rocking it zone. We actually have a really nice chart that shows this <laughs> in our science of stress lecture. And, and so understanding that stress is really um, here to help you. And it inevitably is helping us to transform is key. And then in terms of other tips, I mean, my favorite tip that I give people uh, that everybody can do, it's free, and you can do it in a matter of a few minutes. If you are in a high stress situation, just simply bring your right thumb to your right nostril, close that nostril off, and breathe in only through the left side because this is going to activate the right side of the brain and it will shut off that high stress response. It'll start to brain balance. And that you can do in a matter of minutes. It's very simple. These are some of the, we have several, several techniques that we cover in mindfulness training to help people understand how to control their stress response and how to live in balance, no matter what kind of of stressor that you're under. Um, mm -hmm. those are just a few examples. I love, I, I love that tip. And I can vouch for Nikki's uh, little tidbit that she gave there. Cause it's one that I go to the most frequently. And I wear an aura ring that actually tracks my heart rate variability. So I can see when I do a breathing exercise, if my heart rate, where my heart rate variability is during that breathing exercise. And it is without a doubt, the quickest way I am able to call my nervous system is through Nikki's technique. So thank you, you for you sharing. You do that. the one nostril. You've done that Jess. Yeah. I I've actually, os I oscillate between nostrils. So I breathe in through one, hold it and then breathe out through the other by switching the alignment of my fingers on each of my nostrils. And it honestly, like my aura ring tells me within, you know, doing like five breaths. And I usually try to do it for about five to 10 minutes, but even just doing five or six breaths of it. And I can even just feel my, I can just feel it in my, my heart and my head and my mind, like how quickly it just calms everything. That's cool. I've never heard that, but I'll def I was actually doing it as you were um, <laughs> describing it. So I, I'll, I'll keep doing it. I'll have to explain probably to people why I'm doing it, but um, <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. So I love just, it. I love everything turn about your camera it. Off, Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and even prior to that, I think what you said about embracing the stress and that to me is what well-being is all about is kind of living in that, but being able to absorb it, I guess, and, and actually kind of push through it. So I love that you finished with that. I do want to give everybody 
or give you an opportunity to tell everybody where they can find you and learn more about nine to five. And if they want to maybe connect with you personally on social media or, or however you prefer it. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So you can find us at www.studio925wellness.com. That's our website. Um, my name is Nikki Peters Barrett. I'm on LinkedIn and um, as well as uh, Facebook, Instagram channels are probably good places to find me that way as well. And I really do welcome, please reach out to me and reach out to us at Studio 9 to 5. Um, there's a contact us uh, button on our website. And, you know, even if you just want to share a tip of what you're doing that's working, please like share the love. You know, if it's as simple as that, we want to be connected with you um, and, you know, would love to create a relationship with you, whether we work with you or we don't. Um, you know, it, we know that wellness is also a part of creating connection. And so thank you both for um, creating that connection today. Absolutely. And before we go, and hopefully people didn't um, stop the episode, I, I I forgot to ask, and really quickly, if, if people are thinking about reaching out to you guys, like how long is it to get set up? Oh, From sure. like, yeah, we want to do a, a program to, is it a week? Is it a month? Yes. Usually um, when we're working with a small to mid-sized company, usually 30 days will do. Um, okay. From the time that they contact us to having something in motion, we can do two weeks if they've already been um, kind of priming the pump on the marketing side of things internally. But oftentimes they need a little bit of extra uh, time to do that and get people uh, geared up for it. So we will say, you know, anywhere from two weeks to 30 days. Awesome. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. I hope people take advantage of, of the services and uh, we wish you well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you both. Mm -hmm. Be well. Thanks, Nikki. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, Please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.